going to read my scripture, then we'll pray. And you know this scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at the last four words of the fifth verse, and then 6, 7, and 8. Here's what Paul said as he wrote to Timothy. Fulfill your ministry. For, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. My theme this evening, an eternity class performance. Lord, what what a gracious thing it is that you allow us to sing. Uh, to repeat words that someone else has conceived, and yet it seems so clearly to express just exactly what we want to say. And, Father, you inspired words in the writers of this sacred book, Holy Scripture, the Bible. You did not err one moment when you had these words presented to us. And so, Father, as we recall them in our presence together, would you inspire these words again now to our hearts? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Good evening. I need to have a look at you. You're all looking at me. I ought to look at you once in a while, shouldn't I? Do you suppose that Paul likes sports? He, he must have. He, he, uh, he made sure that there were athletic allusions in many of the things he wrote. And since the Holy Spirit was the one who inspired him, I kind of think that God likes sports too. Maybe my uh, uh, maybe my scriptural interpretation is a little bit broad there, but I think it's true. Whatever. I, I like sports. Do you, you like sports? Boy, this is this is some kind of season. Uh, we're right now in the World Series. First game hasn't happened yet, but it's going to. Who's going to win? Someone says, who's playing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a baseball fan. I hardly watch any, any baseball at all until the, the playoffs. And the same way with the NBA. I'm a great NBA fan in the final series. The rest of it can, but now college basketball, that's another thing. Rock Chop Jayhawks. I ought to be able to say that, you know, world national champions last year. Ought, ought to, you forget pretty quickly, don't you? The Summer Olympics. 
Did you watch any of the Summer Olympics? Oh, my goodness, the, that fellow that ran faster than it's possible to run. Oh, my. Oh, are, the, are the gymnasts walking on that little tiny thing and doing flips? I, I couldn't even lift myself onto that thing, much less walk on it. <laughs> and that was when I was good. But, but who, was, who was the one? Michael Phelps. Eight gold medals. Unprecedented. No one has ever done it before. And it might be a long time before ever, anyone ever repeats it again. It was, it was amazing. And I, and I think the whole world was cheering for him one time or another. Whatever is met, meant by, by a world-class performance, Michael Phelps proved he could do it, and he did it over and over and over again. Some people just like that. World-class. But my concern is not about athletics of that sort. Paul, I doubt very much, though maybe in his high school days, he may, he may have uh, been a runner and competed in some Grecian-type games one time or another. We don't know that. He never says so. But he may have been. I, I don't know how you see Paul. I, I see him as maybe about this tall and, and probably, I see someone laughing at me. They heard my sermon on Sunday at, at church and I, I, I really think that he was bald. Uh, I, I just think that really intelligent people are bald. That's what I think. I, I just, just assume it goes like that. And left-handed, too, as a matter of fact. But I, I think he's about that tall and bald. I, 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 I don't see him as short and squat. I see him as short and probably wiry. Uh, I, I can't think of anybody taking the punishment that he took. And by the time he took that boat across the Mediterranean Sea and got tossed out into the water and had to keep himself afloat, and when he finally made it, he was still able to stand up and give a vigorous speech and show leadership. I, I think the man had some endurance. He was probably 60 to 64 at that time. I, I think I think he was a... Pretty neat guy, could do it. But I don't think that that particular time he was carrying a thing about sports, but he was able to use sports to help make his point, and he did. I, th- I think we recognize that, that our scripture has an allusion to sports. I have fought a good fight. The, 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 the language, the original language, Greek there, uses the word wrestle. And if you've ever seen uh, Olympic wrestlers that's that's amazing um, and and running i i think that he he wanted to make a point in fact what he was doing is that he was standing right at the edge of his life looking back in our direction and i think that he was saying let me tell you what comprises not a world-class performance, but, a, but an eternity-class performance. And that's what he was saying. 
So let's have a quick look here. Paul said, uh, I have fought a good fight. We say, we would say, though it's not part of this, we would say, I, I am fighting the good fight. Now, it is interesting because these words were more than just cliché. It wasn't just a good motto that he threw up there. He was saying something very powerful and very specific. A chaplain like it, uh, at one of the, the times that he gave a devotion for the, the board of trustees, he pointed out that in the Greek, although Greek word order doesn't mean the same thing as it does in English, yet there is something instructive about the fact that what Paul said in the original language is, the good fight... I have fought it. Uh, the, the race, I have run it. I have finished it. The faith, I have kept it. That's where the emphasis was. It was, not on, it was not on him. The emphasis was, in fact, on what there was out there that he could point to that existed for the sake of Jesus Christ and the gospel. So he said, the good fight, I have fought it. Now, it's interesting to talk about a good fight. What is more interesting is the fact that he never named his opponent. You notice that? The emphasis is not on who he was fighting. The emphasis was on the fight he was fighting. And he said it was a good fight. What is probably meant here is he said there is a fight that I engaged in that was worth engaging in. And ladies and gentlemen, there are some fights worth fighting. Our world is fighting an awful lot of fights that aren't worth anything. If you don't believe it, just look at how many people are spending so much money on television right now fighting each other over something as unimportant as being president of the United States. Oh, wait a minute. That wasn't a joke. I can have other jokes, but that wasn't it. That wasn't it. Someone would come and ask me if I'd want to be president of the United States. Fall, fall off my chair for one thing. <laughs> yeah, that was a joke. You, you caught that one. But I would hope, I would hope I would say, I'm sorry. I have more important things to do. There are fights worth fighting. And Paul said, I have fought the good fight. It's, it's an, an honorable thing to fight this fight. It's, it's worth straining every muscle and sinew in my body to make this happen. Dr. Umble has probably taught you about the, about the Persian Wars in, uh, in Greece. Where, yes, he did teach you about them. You may not have remembered hearing them, but he taught you about them. In, in 480 B.C., uh, the, the, the bully of the world was the Persian Empire, and, and it came to punish little Greece for the fact that Greece was getting too big for its bridges. So they brought this huge army, probably 100,000 or so. That's a huge army. And they came marching around the Aegean Sea through Macedonia and then down into Greece proper. And uh, the Greeks realized they were not ready. And there was this one area called Thermopylae, a relatively narrow pass. They were heading that way, and the, and the Greek army, led by the Athenians and the Spartans together, uh, decided that they needed to withdraw. 
they, they needed to evacuate the cities in the path of this great army to keep people from getting killed and massacred. And, and they needed to somehow preserve the army to fight another day. And so they uh, gave out this wonderful, wonderful opportunity to a man named Leonidas who stayed there with, uh, well, some people number as few as uh, 300, but probably certainly not more than a 1,000 Greek soldiers. And there they stood their ground in the pass of Thermopylae and held the whole Persian army for at least six days. Held them. And all the cities in the path were evacuated and the army was able to move back and get in better position. It was a heroic thing. Every Greek soldier in Thermopylae died. They knew they were going to die. And they did it anyway. Oh, oh, there are more modern analogies to that. How about, how about the Alamo? Where people stood against the whole Mexican army. And we have the Texas Empire nowadays. <laughs> there it is. Or even more recently, how about Flight 93 on 9-11? Forty-four people, 44 people heard by telephone that their plane was probably going to be crashed and all were going to die anyway. And so they said, let's roll, and they rolled, gave up their lives to save something special. There is a there is a fight worth fighting to give every last ounce of energy to, to spend everything, to make it happen, to make it work. And even if it ends in defeat, it is worth doing anyway. A good fight? I've fought it, said Paul. And he meant it. Such a fight highlights character and courage and endurance, giving oneself completely in a cause. Then he said, um, the race, I have finished it. Here again, it's interesting, he didn't name his opponents because the opponents were not the point. In fact, uh, the NASB that I read from didn't even use the word race. It used the word the course, which means the race course. Paul's emphasis in that race was the course he was racing on. That's who his real opponent was. And, and, and it was an issue of, of finishing that course, of getting all the way to the end. And, now, folks, this is important. This is highly important. In your life, you will have many races to run. The names of and faces of your opponents will come and go. They will change. The significant thing is, do you give yourself to the race, to the finish? Let me see. Imagine, if you would, that you are the only contestant in a race. And you look at the, the lie of the thing and it's difficult. The course is rough. 
You don't know if you've ever seen anything like it in your life, but the gun sounds and you begin to run. And you run and you run and you run until there's nothing left in you to run. And then, and then there's a hurdle that maybe was just a half inch higher than your endurance. You didn't have enough reserves to make it over. Or, or, or maybe it was a, it was a wrong turn somewhere or, or a maze that was just too difficult or, or, or maybe it was just a tiny little bump in the road that you didn't anticipate and it caught your heel and down you went on your face, scraping yourself to blood. And you gasp and you roll onto your side and you pull your knees to your chest and you try to catch your breath. You open your eyes, it's just a squinting little bit and there's the sideline right there. Right there. Uh, some voice inside you says, just quit. The sideline is there and the finish line is so far away. Just quit. You, you didn't sign up for this. It's not fair. This is above your pay grade. And who cares anyway? So you struggle to your knees. And, and then to your feet. And from somewhere, a crowd begins to chant, You can do it. You can do it. It's that Hebrews 12.1 crowd. You know about them? Seeing we also are, are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses. And so you, you look and you take a step toward the sideline. And suddenly the crowd hushes and gasps and says, No, don't do it. Don't quit. Don't quit. And you turn toward the finish line. You take one step and then another. And the crowd now begins to say, You can do it. You can do it. You force yourself to a trot and then to a run. And the crowd is cheering. And you go and you go and you go and you finish. You know what? You're the only contestant in that race... All you have to do to lose is quit. And all you have to do to win is finish. Let me repeat that. All you have to do to lose is quit. And all you have to do to win is finish. I have finished the race course. And then he says, I've kept the faith. Uh, usually we hear that to say, uh, I, I've, I've kept the faith. Uh, uh, I, I, the faith is that body of beliefs that make us Christian. In fact, that's maybe what he was meaning when he said that. Or, but Adam Clark suggests that, that if you follow through on the analogy or the metaphor of, of a race, maybe he is saying, I have... I have conducted this race, this fight, these games, I have conducted in a way that is according to all the rules. He talks about Jesus being the righteous judge in the next verse. That judge was the person who's standing back to make sure there was no shortcuts, to make sure there was no cheating, to make sure that in every way the rules were kept. And maybe that's what Paul was saying. Maybe he was saying that no one can say of me that he cut it short, 
that he didn't give his all, that he played unfairly, everyone will say, this man is a man of honor. And that would fit. That would fit. Then, Paul talks about the prize. If if you go back to the sixth verse, the language Paul uses here is very immediate. In, In fact, the NASB, which gives up some some poetic flow to some pretty rough literal translations because they tried really hard to be literal, said, I am already being poured out. The, the, the time of my departure is at hand. It's, it's now. What he was saying is, the date for my execution has been set. The sentence has been passed. Even now, as I write this letter to you, I'm waiting for the jailers to come. The executioner stands with the big, heavy Roman axe, and my head will be placed on a block, and it will switch down, and I will be gone. Somewhere around 65 A.D., give or take a year or two, was when it happened. We don't know for sure, but tradition is very firm. Beheaded by the sentence from... Emperor Nero, he gave his life. But giving his life that way was not the performance I'm talking about. The performance was everything before that. And what he was expecting it to come, he said, in the future, not many days from now, in the future, the Lord, the righteous judge, Well, give me the crown of righteousness. And not to me only. I like this part. Not to me only, but to all who love His appearing. Paul's eternity class performance gave him assurance of the prize. It was going to happen. He had no doubt. He had invested his whole life in that promise. And he knew it was going to happen. One day, a plain village woman, driven by love for her Lord, recklessly poured out of valuable essence, disregarding the scorn. And once it was broken and spilled out, the the fragrance filled all the room, like a prisoner released from his shackles like a spirit set free from the tomb. Broken and spilled out just for love of you, Jesus. My most precious treasure lavished on thee. Broken and spilled out and poured at your feet in sweet surrender Let me be spilled out and used up for thee. Would you bow your heads? Maybe you have something you need to say 
to the Lord Jesus tonight. We're going to sing a little chorus. And if there's something that's important for you to express tonight, this place, this time, right now, is when to do it. Father, do not leave us alone, but by your Holy Spirit, hear our words. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Lord, we wouldn't be here if we hadn't already said to you so many times that there's a fight out there and I'm going to fight it. There's a race course out there. I'm going to finish it. I, I'm going to keep the faith. Lord, help us see again it's not by some extraordinary giftedness that this will be done though we thank you for every gift but it will be this that we have promised to follow you and we are giving our lives again in promise that you may break us open and pour us out just for love of you, Jesus. And so, Lord, give, give life to our commitment and our calling. Make us see that he, that Paul who stood looking back across the gulf of his time, was looking right at us and was passing on that baton to us. The world-class, eternity-class performance that he turned in. It is now our legacy. Make it so by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.